Dad and the Nerdy Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Tom. With me again is Will and Bruce. Hey, everybody. He fights like you, Jack. Oh, oh dear. We have a Jonah on the ship. All right, folks. Uh, uh, we are covering a epic film from 2004 from director Peter Weir with the incredible Russell Crowe. And we are, of course, talking about Master and Commander, colon, the far side of the world. Hi, Captain. All right. So uh, this is, of course, the um, pretty complex naval of Napoleonic era you know, adventure made in 2003, which, you know, as Will and I were pointing out, uh, came out only a few months after Pirates of the Caribbean and a month before the third Lord of the Rings film. So interesting year for major epic costume films. Yes. Um, and this one was unfortunate that way. It's a very, I mean, I, I did my research on this one unusually well because, uh, spoiler, it's one of my favorite films. Uh, and uh, I, it, it's it's pretty well, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings just beat it in category for scope grandeur and being the third of a trilogy and anticipation and imagination. But uh, it's said that the people who really we're looking at the film sort of independently said it was, it should have been a lot closer and more splits uh, of the actual awards. So um, I, I would tend to agree with that sentiment. I think that the fact that it's such a tight scale, you know, one ship versus one ship uh, in a broader context hurts it a little bit uh, alongside Epic fair. Um, and also I don't think that pirates, of the Caribbean, which is also a film that I am prepared to enjoy very well, uh, but it's not—it's not comparable, except it's comparable is the problem. It's you know, yeah. it's a wooden boat movie. It's just so very different that if people were excited about that movie, come to this one, they're probably not in in for what they expected. Does that yeah. make sense? You know exactly. I think that's the key. Is like the pirate, you know, the Disney pirates films are comedy action adventure and supernatural kind of all combined this is a straight uh, naval adventure so this is about mm-hmm. as like and rather say british adventures you can get so there's no piracy in here this is literally you know a uh, you know this is about as strict british there, as you can get well if you want to get technical there is piracy they just have those fancy papers uh, <laughs> um privateers absolutely are pirates uh oh i I know (laughs) no they have a paper from the frenchies we could hang them if they didn't exactly uh so uh let me tell you guys my history of this film uh i remember seeing a trailer for it at some point and then i watched it last night oh okay (laughs) that is the entirety of my experience like i completely this movie i completely forgot about for 15 years and then you guys are like master commander i was like oh i haven't seen that cool so i watched it last night and um bruce i'm afraid i'm gonna break your heart this was a very fine okay movie that was decent (laughs) Hmm. i bounced really hard off of this film in some ways some parts of it are amazing though but other parts of it just made me go get to the monkey this (laughs) there's there's yeah, um, I really I wanted to like this film a lot more than I ended up liking it. I mean, I still liked it. It's a good movie, and I do recommend people see it if you like naval adventure movies. But mm-hmm. I don't think it stands up against its contemporaries quite as strongly as perhaps I had been led to believe. 
Interesting. Uh, I'd love to get into the, the, the particulars of that, but I mean, uh, I'll just go down and say what I think are the strengths of the film and see what your thoughts are. Uh, yeah. The biggest strength, of, of course, is historicity. Like it's based on novels that are broadly considered some of the best historical fiction ever written uh, to include depth and breadth and use of the setting and the things that people don't know were going on during the Napoleonic Wars. Um, and then it's, you know, and it's nautical to a degree that like you, you it makes Moby Dick look uninformed. Um, and it's accurately nautical and accurately period to the ranks and the customs of commission. And, you know, there, it's not like you got to do that to make a good movie. I'm not that person, but it is wonderful when you want to do that, to do it well, if that makes any sense, Will. So that's the first part is I just like that they took a very realistic slice of history and they did chop up four, two or three of the books to make an introductory film because in the first book in the series, Jack isn't even a, a proper post captain. He's not on the surprise, which is the ship he gets through most of his, you know, 12 books in the series career. Right. And they, they wanted to bring it up to like, he's already a captain and he's on his famous ship. And uh, The Far Side of the World is like, I think the fourth book in the series. And by then there's already a lot of character development. So they backpedaled the characters in from a lot of the first book. So yeah. it's, 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 it's a mishmash, but I think it's a good screen mishmash because just running it in the middle when there's all these references to prior events and things wouldn't have been good. So I, I think they did an, a, a fine adaptation and, you know, uh, for the historicity, I, I can't see ever, you know, possibly, um, I'm trying to think of a good version of it. I, I've heard some of the Civil War films get this good, but I don't know of them that well. Well, I mean, if we're, if, just for comparison, I mean, it's, I mean, if you look at like a movie like Gettysburg or uh, Gods and Generals or even Glory, you know, those are very historically grounded too. But yeah, it's the same thing. It's, it, you've got your characters and your, your I, I would call the plot direction have to be kind of tight. Now, this is a very tight plot when you think about it. It's just them chasing this one particular ship, which mm -hmm. I think is a really good idea. Now, I, I'm in the, you know, as I point out, I didn't see this in theaters. I saw it on video because just 2003 was such a busy year. There were so many movies. I kind of had to, you know, make my choices and I passed in this one. Now, I've said it before, I wish I'd seen it in the theater with a really good sound system. Maybe an, if it was available in IMAX, that really wasn't a thing back then. But if you saw an IMAX with a really nice sound system, I think it would have been 10 times more fascinating of viewing. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I, that's a regret. I did not get to see it in the theater at the time. Uh, honestly, I didn't know about this film until years later. Uh, I just missed, it just passed me by. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo that. Um, I think this absolutely benefits from being on a bigger screen uh, simply for the spectacle. Um, I, I did like um, the historicity of it. As, as you say, is fine. Like, I think there is absolutely a place in cinema for movies like this from that perspective. And this is one of the best that I've ever seen. Um, and I've seen a few, but this one definitely is very specific. Like, I loved all the little details, like um, training the, the young officers to use an astrolabe. Um, that sequence was mm -hmm. really good. I really liked the just how young some of the off like the junior junior officers were uh was not something that i was prepared for but like, that's that's the thing about british lords and you know it, you know the kid you know the you know the lord he's literally inherited his father's title because that's 
that he, uh, he inherited, even though he's like, what, 12? I mean, that's well, like, there's there's 12 and there's there's like several other young, even younger kids. Yeah. They, they, they're yeah, really no, um, that was also very common in the period. 14 was like a good midshipman starting age. Right. Uh, so they were I mean, there are younger kids than even the 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 poor boy who breaks his arm, whose name completely uh, blows. Uh, honestly, everyone's Lord name. Blakeney. Sure, yeah. whatever. The names yeah, completely uh, all I... blew past me. The only one I remember is Jack, Captain Jack, and that's because it's the only one said more than three times without being prefaced by Mr. Uh, yeah. Like, when they said Mr. Whoever, I kind of associated that with a face, but I couldn't tell you what the word that I'm using, that I'm using whoever in the place of was. And that is a that is a detriment of this film. The characters do not stick. There's two three maybe three characters who stick in your mind there's the the, the captain obviously because it's russell crowe and he's got probably the most screen time who plays an incredibly british performance and in fact i think it's too subtle for american audiences like he's so yeah, very stoic. very stiltedly british in an accurate way i'm not saying it's a bad performance i am saying it is not mm -hmm. going to stick with an american audience and it didn't stick with me i was like man this guy's stoic i really just can't feel him except the one time he gets mad like then i was like yeah that i felt but he's so otherwise completely stoic in every possible way um the doctor honestly probably my favorite character in the movie uh was the doctor and even the doctor has some incredible personality flaws um like his little snit fit when he's not allowed to go to the galapagos islands the first time <laughs> it just seems so incredibly petty just so incredibly petty of him to get mad about that but i'm not sure like maybe that was a thing i because I, I mean to me well, it's just a bunch of animals but i'm wait. also not a naturalist of that era when literally presented with the fines of a lifetime at your right. feet and then to have it snatched away so but i had trouble empathizing with that scene the other scenes though that he's in i very much resonated with when he says maybe you're being a little pr prideful here that really resonated with me um, the, 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 the young boy who loses his arm <laughs> again, I resonated with that character because I, I understood his, you know, he emotes, he has emotions that aren't British stiff upper lipness, but he's got enough British in him that he's, you can see him stifling the emotions. The performance from that kid is amazing. Yeah. Have you seen a uh, Rome? Uh, I have not seen the, the series. No. Okay, he plays Octavian on Rome, which came out like two years after this, and he's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. But that, but that young, that young blonde-haired kid, uh, plays is is an incredible Max performance Perkins. in terms of characterization. Yeah, um, Max Perkins. Uh, he he's one of those guys. I think he I think he kind of career kind of peaked a little early. Uh, Rome was like he, that, and Rome were his two biggest roles. Uh, I think he's still working, but not near as like um, he his big push for a little bit and just kind of. Flank. I wouldn't say playing that, but just didn't really follow up on it. Yeah. Other than those three characters, only one other character had any resonance with me at all, apart from just being like, I'm clearly one of the nameless, faceless extras, and I'm playing the role, even though I technically have, you know, a named character, and that would be the guy who kills himself. Um, yeah. A.K.A. the Jonah. Yeah, the Jonah. I mean, whose name I don't remember, because I don't care. Uh, everyone else was interchangeable in terms of roles. There was no... No individual character stood out enough that you couldn't take another person in the scene that they're in and swap all their dialogue around, and it would still make just as much sense and have just as much impact. 
Well, the thing about this, the guy who plays Pippin, Billy Boyd's in this, and he's not even that. You can't even remember. Yeah, I was like, hey, Billy Boyd's in this. That's cool. And But his his role is completely interchangeable with any other exactly. random schmo. But, yeah. Um, and that's a that's a weakness of this film is um, let's compare it to Pirates of the Caribbean. And not only are there three incredibly strong performances in the leads of that film, there are numerous, numerous side characters who cannot be as easily substituted as the other characters in this in this movie. Yeah, there's like I think that is uh, that may be the difference of when you uh, when uh, who the different styles of directing. So now we should point this is a Peter Weir directed film. Peter Weir is very, you know, he has a lot of beloved films, but they tend to be more clinical. So, like, if you say, look at a movie, but then also some are fantastically emotional. I think in this particular case, now I read this was not his project initially. He got brought on as it was being developed. So, he may not have been his, like, dream project. But if you think of some of the other movies he's made, like Dead Poet Society, Witness, The Truman Show, you know, he's the uh, Gallipoli, um, The Year of Living Dangerously. He's made some incredibly complex films. Like, if mm-hmm. you ever see The Last Wave, that's one of the most terrifying endings for a film ever. Yeah. He, he, he's I, really good at this. I honestly don't think the problem is in the direction. I think the problem is in the writing and characterization, which is true to the book. It's just doesn't. I mean, it's and none of this is bad. This is. This is why it bounced off of me talk here. This is not – this is mm. bad because it was badly directed or badly written. I don't think it's badly written. I don't think it's badly so directed. I'll actually go in on your comment, uh, although I liked some of that, but um, I agree. Uh, what I'll say about it is there's a lot of characters, and there has to be uh, because the boats were crammed full of people, well, and they, they all had very distinct roles of like <laughs> – ship things but they all are like a venn diagram and overlap like how many midshipmen would there have been five if they had written it like in a more contemporary style and taken an axe to the characters and to 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 make like two midshipmen and make it that and you know or or you know in other words make it more manageable in a lot of ways i think they would have cut the historicity and they aired that way and then again the degree to which they went all in on Britishness and uh, interchangeability is sort of British. I mean, <laughs> I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. I think your, your, your criticisms are well put uh, from the standpoint of just trying to enjoy the film. Um, to me, they're part of the strength because I like the fact that I'm not sure exactly what Mr. Calloway, Calloway's job is for a little while uh, until I sort of suss it out. But that's not a strength for most viewers. Well, the problem is it removes some of the emotional impact from some of the biggest scenes. The mm-hmm. first the, the, the first big action sequence is a big action sequence, but a bunch of nameless people get hurt or killed. Um, and the only person of note who is injured is the guy who has hold fast tattooed on his hands, which was a great detail, like absolutely a fantastic detail. And well, you know, and the got, aforementioned arm cutting. Yeah, I mean, they get, he gets hurt there, but the arm cutting comes later. He's actually just breaks his arm in that sequence. But again, it's not made a huge deal out of in either case, um, which is very British and appropriate to the period. You know, like the doctor, he's all worried about going real fast with that arm because that's how surgeons operated back then. You yeah. Know? Um, which and honestly, those details are it's fascinating to watch. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel – I feel a bit for that kid, but I didn't know him it, through the film and after the first act. He's like the first, the first opening shot is nighttime on this ship. There's a guy walking around with a lantern, 
and then we cut to a big sweeping open shot of bright daylight of over the ship. It's a magnificent it's a magnificent opening sequence, except for that disjointed opening shot of them kind of crawl somebody moving through the ship with a lantern. It that sequence doesn't need to be in that film. That's not how you, you should have opened with the shot over the ship. That's See now that that sequence is introducing you to the most important character. What the the hourglass? The surprise. You have to get a sense of the physical space. It's like the the, the long running shots in um oh god what's the U boat film Das Boot Das Boot das, das Boot Yeah, which is it, the ship is a character. Maybe yes, but it's that not doesn't a good work character. for you. But... It doesn't work. Uh, having the ship I mean, be a character is something that I have enjoyed in other works, like Serenity. I really enjoyed it in that. Uh, obviously, any Star Trek movie, uh, Star Wars has the Millennium Falcon. Uh, if you yep. want to talk, the Black Pearl. The Black Pearl is absolutely a character in a contemporary of this film. Uh, Return of the King. Gondor. But is no, a character. I, I I would dispute it though. I have no idea how big the Black Pearl is. Whereas whereas I have an idea how the surprise is arranged uh, but and how tight matter. the quarters are. Can, oh, it absolutely matters. Like when the cannon shots are hitting, you realize they're right there. Like there's that's right. But you could have established people. that not at the very beginning and then cut to this other establishing shot. There's two establishing shots back to back. That is not the place for that shot. Now, okay. I, that is not I the place say, for that shot because it made me go, why did I just see that? And the fact that I was dwelling on why did I just see that rather than, oh, this is, a, you know, I couldn't figure out what the purpose of that shot was. Therefore, it failed as a shot. Uh, now, I will bring up, there's one thing that I think we, that may have worked better if it, they kind of Americanized a little bit. We would have, we got a little bit about the other ship. See, so you, you know, like say you watch Pirates of the Caribbean. When there there's a, a a battle between two ships, you see both sides. You see somebody commanding the other side. This one now, I give weird credit. We don't really see anything of the other ship at all. That's I like the idea of it's a phantom ship, really. All right, but Which, that nighttime shot could have come at another point in the movie, and I would have made more sense. It doesn't make any sense as the very first thing you see in this movie. Because you have that, you have the establishing shot, you have them moving around on deck. It's very tight quarters because there's a lot of people on that ship. I already figured out there's a lot of people on this damn ship. Just from the shots of them sailing on open water in the daylight directly after that first shot of everything kind of guy creeping with a lantern through a thing. I get that it's tight quarters, right? And it's very classy. I mean, let's be honest. Captain Jack, he's the captain, but his study's huge compared to everybody else's. Even the doctor's face is right, right, right. You get, you definitely get a sense that the captain's privilege of that one room, which is also a multi-purpose room. That was actually a very clever bit in this movie. Was when they're doing the the cannon drills, Mm -hmm. and then he they literally put up doors to seal back off that room that they needed to do the cannon drills. That was incredibly clever. I was like, oh yes, that makes perfect sense. Everything about that is perfect. Yeah, and again, very historical. Like that, that is how all the rooms had like. And I think I want to, I want to say that. Uh, the surgery surgery chamber is also the place where they eat as well. Yep, yep. All that was and, and all that was very well established. But again, the reason why it doesn't matter as much is because you can kind of get from just the density of people on the ship that that ship is tight, right? And in every other naval movie, including believe it or not, Cutthroat Island, they uh-huh. show shots below the wall. You know where the cannons are, where the shots are coming in and killing a bunch of people because it's very crowded. That's always been a feature of these kinds of films. Mm-hmm. And I knew about it. And most people expect to see that because that's, I mean, you saw it in Pirates of the Caribbean. You saw it in Cutthroat <laughs> Island. You saw no. it in Errol oh, Flynn movies. I mean, 
Now, to be fair, I'm a little more well-versed in the naval film genre because I really like films. I now, like I, films. I like pirates. I, I like swashbuckling. I may just be more patient with it because, to me, I just enjoyed seeing it. I, In fact, I considered that scene a treat. I, 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 but by considering it a treat, I, I absolutely am saying I didn't see it as essential. I considered it as a treat because they went ahead and just gave me a nice long shot of that interior to help me orient myself to it because I knew we were going to be re- revisiting it. And I, I don't think it was a bad sequence. I just thought it was – for a, to intro, as an introductory shot, it was poorly placed. As, no. a, as a shot separated from everything else – it's a fine shot. Like it's 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 a great shot. It's just in the wrong place for me to understand why it's important because I don't know yet. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Are they at sea? Are we just debarking? Where are we in time and space? Now, other than cramped into a pole. Yeah. Now, well, <laughs> well, I think we. I think what you're kind of alluding to. Maybe this needed some kind of narration. Like somebody. Maybe they. You know, it should have somebody narrating what's going on well i don't know they did have the i i forget that they have the opening crawl at the beginning and i'm now just remembering that it exists but again they didn't it didn't the crawl was not detailed enough saying like and at night on the ship you know a watchman walks with a lantern and then dot 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 and then fade into that shot i'm like oh okay this is the watchman going about his rounds and then because you do see the ship in that crawl shot it's there on screen and it's at night and then you zoom into the ship. Now, now, Bruce, kind of, but it's so big and you miss how it. How are the books? Are they in first person or third person? Third person. Okay. Um, and they're very, uh, they, 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 so interestingly enough, Jack is sort of the primary character early on, but Matron kind of takes over after a while. Matron and you end who? up splitting That's the, doctor. Uh, the doctor. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Stephen Matron. Ah. Well, they don't, they, I think Steven? they, even, yeah, they say Stephen now. They say Stephen several times, Will. Oh, do they? Are you sure you didn't just yes? Are you sure you just didn't fall into the accent hole? Because I'll be quite honest, I had trouble following some of them myself. I will. Uh, I will just... confess that there was some sound issues on my thing because I would have to turn it up to listen to the dialogue and then turn it way down when the yeah. booming seas and stuff yeah, happened. So I, I to... actually unabashedly did subtitles because I want to hear what the guys below deck are saying and my mastery of whatever lower class British dialect is, is not good. And you get a lot like um, Killick, the, 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 um, the, the um, valet. Yeah. He actually is not just muttering. No, it's he's funny as hell. Actual he's, language. he's commenting you, on things. He's great. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's Killick get... has a, an opinion of everything. And it's all very regional. But anyway, I kind of got sidetracked by that whole bit about the thing, but my point was, the big after that sequence, I didn't really feel anything for the nameless bodies because, of course, you're not going to, right? It's a war film, and let's face it, it's a war set. Well, it's, it's establishing the stakes of conflict. It's right, not. Like, you're right. They aren't people you know yet. You're quite right. Right. But, but I didn't see that that an opening with a battle is a bad thing. It's in not. Of but this kind. then you have the second action sequence, which is they're in the water chasing this ship, and mm-hmm. the mast breaks, and a man goes overboard. And they have to make well, the there's an decision. entire lot of stuff between them, but yeah, that's like there, the there third, is. Third but I'm sequence. talking about, uh, but but <laughs> all that establishing stuff didn't make me give a shit that that guy fell in the water. Nothing in that made me go, oh my god. So you didn't remember him coming in and being with the two guys who came up with why Wally's cousin had the thing. I mean, 
Are you? Did you see an abridged version? Did you miss? No, I saw that part, but I didn't give a shit because those two characters were completely interchangeable with any other two random bullshit people in that ship. I didn't. It. It was a. I thought, oh, this is their big sequence. I didn't even realize they had more to go on, and I didn't remember it by the time the action sequence came up. I remembered the guy had long hair. I was like, oh, and that's his buddy. He's gonna be real sad, but I wasn't sad. I didn't care. I was like, oh, man overboard. Wow, they only lost one? That's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, no, they have to make the hard decision. Well, I guess they just made it. Okay, done. It was a great sequence. I didn't give a shit about anybody in it. Yeah, see, I wonder if this would have been better. And now, by the way, I I also really enjoyed this film. But I think think we all agree. It's probably much better if we watch it on a big screen with the right sound system. But also, this story is so complex. Maybe it would have worked better as a miniseries. I don't like, think the story is oh, all that complicated. I think it does. I think it absolutely would work better as a miniseries because we'd have more time to spend with these characters as yes. characters as opposed to interchangeable idiots. I just didn't care that this man fell overboard. I felt kind of bad for his buddy, but I didn't feel that bad. I was like, and he's the one who made the hard decision. He's like, I'm all sad about it. I was like, that's good. That's a good emotion for a man to have. I don't feel any of it. Well, once again, I think it's so, it's the Britishness of this film. It's very British, and that's not a bad thing either. But you know, like we are, as Americans are more like we're expecting more like a Monty Python Britishness. That this is not. This is very dry, grounded British. Well, okay, we keep saying this is dry and grounded, but can we talk about the most ridiculous scene in this movie? You mean with mm-hmm. the, the, the weevils? No, the weevils, actually, that was fine. I Actually, I was like, oh, they're, even amongst the officers, their food is still garbage because Navy. That's perfectly valid. I get it. That, that and was, they like puns and they like really puns and shit. a lot it's, more than is a lot more than is healthy and it's totally historically accurate like well, they thought that that was witty as hell like, and they've also been drinking i mean witty. that was a great sequence i love that bit that's very that's very establishing shot kind of look at how these characters interact but again the only characters i felt had any real connection in that scene and couldn't just be interchanged with other characters in the same uniforms. I, I mean, let me let me put. That. You couldn't just put one of the like the scrubs in there. You had to have the you had to have the blue uniform on or a red uniform on. You couldn't you couldn't be a an otherwise scrub. But the the friendship between the doctor and the and Captain Jack, which but you have heard of me. Um, <laughs> no, that's I know that's I know, but I had to do it. Um, but you you could feel that friendship, and I will uh, commend them that in a, in a in a movie full of bland, faceless characters who are mostly interchangeable, that friendship was very well established, and I got it right. And yeah, right down to when they had their duets. Even I mean, yeah, yeah, that was that was, and the fact that the nature of their duets change as the film goes on, that was really mm-hmm. well done. That's a good thing. So I didn't care about that. Then in the the next great Ashkin sequence, right? The next great, okay, well, the most ridiculous scene is when the doctor operates on himself with a mirror. I'm like, that's 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 crazy talk, man. I mean, I get it. <laughs> that actually happened. Did it really? Yeah, that that that's one. So um, th- there's a degree to which the uh, author O'Brien pulls, you know, lots of things that happened, just puts them on his fictional characters. That one happened. 
really a guy did a guy did that yeah that's incredible but i was like this is fucking ridiculous no a, a, a guy totally did that yeah a guy and okay. for that matter uh the nature of the boarding of the surprise it's slightly different than what the actual action was there's a name of the guy who's the captain who jack is based on um i've forgotten his name but i could get it in a moment certainly not uh, lord nelson because holy hell no no <laughs> there, there's legitimately a captain who jack is largely based on to the to the degree that like a thing that doesn't come up in this film because it's not pertinent to this film's narrative is that jack keeps getting like like the reason there's like 12 books and he's a post captain through like nine of them is because he keeps getting like demoted and shuffled because he does things like sleep with senior officers wives and stuff right. uh, so so yeah jack is an idiot on land and good on at sea and there's a real captain who like died a captain instead of an admiral because of the same things so there's a degree to which uh, a lot of the little things in this film that are really implausible seeming are straight up shit that actually occurred. Okay, I mean, I thought the uh, honestly, I liked the the whaling bit where they dressed up yeah. as whalers. That was I, I was like, yep, that totally is a thing that happened. That's clever. I like it. Uh, the the trepanning and get and putting a coin in the head. That nope, absolutely. Would work. That didn't bother me at all. I was like, nope. That would work that's... sometimes. Sometimes yep. that would. They work. would try that and they and watch him and see if he speaks ever again. Absolutely a thing that happened. Um, the awkwardness of the of the of of Mary uh, or not Mary of Pippin talking to the to the doctor <laughs> who just looks like he's on death's door. He's like, "Hey, we found the ship." He's like, "Yeah, it's fucking great." That's like <laughs> I could feel that scene. Um, yeah, I mean, the doctor. But that's is... another sequence. Like, the, what what purpose did that scene have you know, to the greater narrative of the story? nothing and it wasn't even a well, to let you see that the doctor was about to die yeah but we had already see seen how that bad he was. we had already seen um, that he was about to die this is like multiple times over that well we also to, to show that they were excited about it helped establish jack's decision that he makes five minutes later so that's why right i i mean i i i, I guess but i if you had cut that bit i would have gotten it you know you see what i mean there's a lot of flab in this in this movie some of it is a treat some of it's not it, yeah it's, um it's character moments that maybe you don't need, maybe you do need. But you know, we have we've been dancing around the fact that Doctor is essentially a stand-in for Darwin, you know, right down to you know. Oh well, first. his sequences are great, but they go on too long. Like by the after he measured the turtle heads, I was like, oh, we're gonna get to the point now. No, we still got two more scenes of catching lizards and shit. I get it. I get it. I, I know. It's get like, to the monkey. Montage that down a little bit, but get they to the to damn get... monkey. Um. But if you, shoot yeah, it, see, you I don't know. I, I actually, so but the thing I'll just say is that maybe this is just me. I don't enjoy the fact that min, 90 minute movies are a thing. I don't like the fact that everything is cut to the bone. I like the fact that some of these sequences luxuriated a bit, in particular with the musical work that was accompanying it. All period, all pertinent music, yeah, all rhythmic. Can't, can't and it, and music, it just, music you know, it, so in other words, yes, there were multiple Galapagos minutes that are not strictly necessary to advance the plot. I didn't regret one. Well, okay, I, I think it tipped over from being luxuriating and indulgent into we just have to pad the runtime. <laughs> like, it got to the point where I was just like, get on with it. Um, well, I, I, I did like that the doctor was a good enough man to let the animals out. I liked that. I, I even liked his sad, sad little face when he saw the opposing ship. And he's like, ah, fuck. You can just hear him say it in his head, but he's too mm -hmm. much of a posh 
Irishman to, to actually say it out loud. <laughs> but you could see it in <laughs> Bettany's face that he's like, ah, shit. <laughs> it was just fantastic. Love that sequence. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I looked also, they got the right to film at the Galapagos, which is not easy to do. So they shot as much as they could. That's yeah, there's thing. that. Hey, there's we that. can film at Galapagos. Let's do. Let's get as much as we can because mm-hmm. it's pretty protected, pretty difficult to film there now. Oh, by the way, uh, Bruce, I found it. It was it was Lord uh, Cochrane. That's the captain. Yep. Yep. In general, if there's something that Jack does that seems implausible, that guy did it and more. Another thing is that the uh, engagement that this is from in the books that is based on a historical engagement that got trimmed for American audiences, Will, that you might not know, is that this would not have been uh, a French privateer. French didn't really have privateers outside the Med. This would have been an American and this would have been War of 1812. Uh, So that's where Far Side of the World actually is uh, set. It's an American privateer uh, going after uh, British whalers. Uh, And you can see that there's a leg up and that's why it's an American built ship. And that's why it's got American white oak and and is roughly framed like the constitution. And yes, that puts the Americans as the villains and they just couldn't have that. (laughs) Uh, Honestly, I'd have been fine with that. I would have been fine. I think you and I would have, but I don't necessarily read American audience box office success. I don't think they're incorrect in that one. I don't know. Maybe no, maybe I, I should that, think better of my colleagues. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, but, uh, again, these criticisms are mostly criticisms for me. They're not criticisms of the film in general. But I just the little things add up and they added mm-hmm. up to me to being not as impactful as I should have. Like even at the end when they have the big fight, which was a great fight, by the way, just absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic sequence. I, I love that that ship battle. Um, the fight choreography is is stellar for readability. Like I was always pretty well able to tell what was going on, yeah. and like beauty and poetic ballet of it. Like the shots look good. If you just stop the film in the middle of those shots, most of them look good. I mean, there's a few just clutter, confusion, transition shots, but there's a lot of like you know getting shot in the head when you think it's there, everyone's dead on the on the ship. It just looks good. Yeah, I, I felt kind of bad. Like again, and. Even in those, like, all these people died to make this, including one incredibly, like, it was supposed to be incredibly poignant. And, yeah, I felt something in my shriveled black heart at the end. But I felt more for other characters (laughs) in less uh, bad situations. Um, And To a degree, that's the subject of the service. Like, there's a degree to which they mourn, but they don't, like weep and gnash their teeth and mourn sure but i'm you know, american they the are. audience should be like sad but uh, the, the the people on screen not being super net whaley and gnashing of teeth and sackcloth and ashes and all that makes sense perfectly makes sense perfect however the audience should feel more than i felt in my opinion because the movie clearly wants you to feel super bad about the situation and i'm like eh, it sucks but it's not no, I see. I don't, I don't think it. I, I didn't read it that way. I read it as this is war. Um, so what I will say is that th- this film is absolutely like both a contemporary and a period like debate. Um, so, for example, the, the the jousting back and forth between Jack and his sort of duty stuff and Maturin's more li- liberal enlightenment, you know, continental, by the way, very continental. So it's very slightly French. Very. It's French tinged. And yeah. there and but he's Irish and the Irish were not enthusiastic 
imperial subjects at this stage either like they ever had been um so the, the irish had had two or three insurrections uh reasonably early prior so i want to say 1798 so this is seven years after a failed irish rebellion which in the books maturin was part of um right. and they don't actually know um uh, there's just a lot of but but what i will say is the arguments they deploy are period authentic and yet useful. Like, so for example, the idea that Jack is, I mean, here's the thing, the Jonah thing, like they shouldn't blame Jack. Jack gave the order to go round the horn with all sail flying like you're not supposed to, but they can't deal with that because he's the captain. So yeah, they blame the guy who couldn't get up there and save him uh, for, the, for the failure. And, and, not, and not, certainly not the people who hacked the rope. And that is, messed up and it's supposed to be right, like metron is the voice and... of why that's messed up like we being british in this period are messed up is sort of a thing that's being said here without being hammered at you well except and so it's a one, more subtle point except for one thing mm -hmm. the movie completely 100 percent validates everything that everyone was saying about that guy it leaves it the way they would have read it yeah one hundred percent is as soon as that guy dies, and they basically all ask his forgiveness. The wind picks right up, like in that moment. And I was like, "Well, that's a complete validation of insane superstitions." Um, as opposed the, to, and no one's going to learn a lesson here at all. The way it, I think the way it's meant to be read is the way Jack didn't go with them on. You know, basically he throws the book away where they poked at Jonah and 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 points out fellowship. Uh, admittedly, Jack is trite. You know, you know, I, I have in fact notably way back in the day played a character who is as trite as Jack. Uh, back in my old LARPing days, I played a knight who was just knightliness is perfect, and it's the right way of being and uh jack is definitely working that but he had a subtle point there he didn't reinforce the superstitions he said we failed him in fellowship and that's what lifted it and that's very rhyme of the ancient mariner and that's what they were going uh, for. maybe except that they basically say and i hope that he forgives us and then everyone's like yeah i guess so and then the wind picks up and i was like well son yeah. of a bitch <laughs> it, 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 I, I i see why it's in there um i don't love it myself but i see why it's in there and it's it's good what it's doing, uh, to my view. It's in other words, it's trying to. So there's a degree to which, if you make the world our world and don't, you know, there is a way of reading the superstitions of people as being completely unjustified, and then there's things like that coincidence that lead to just lead to superstitions. So I think they went with that, and I, 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 I don't know. If there's a great take on it. Either you make your characters wholly, in other words. So another thing they didn't do, and I. It is notable because they did a lot of other things that made their characters look bad, but they didn't do the racism of the period. They and did not. I'm kind of grateful. I'm kind of glad they didn't. You know, I'm kind of glad they didn't. Now, admittedly, and this is a point though, the Royal Navy at the time, due to their conscription policy in the colonies, was far more integrated than any other aspect of British society. Yeah, and there were ships aligned with entirely Asian crews. Um, and in point of fact, in the books, at one point, a uh, Jack is in charge of an uh, Indiaman, which is the name of you know the name to the ship, not the people. Uh, uh, and it is an entirely, you know, English-speaking but non-British crew. And um, it's it's a there's a big point is that they fight differently and do things differently. Um, so the fact that it was somewhat you know diverse, there were a few characters of color is 
accurate to period uh, there would have been on most ships at the time, even though they were largely crewed by British lower classes. Yeah, we should point out this period is like post-British outlaw and slavery, but you know, conscription is classified differently. So yeah, and they and they mention it. Uh... Stephen's argument about and these guys were pressed into service you can look at all this nonsense throw your grog overboard and i mean i do think that those those scenes show the flaws of of captain jack and i think that's mm-hmm. a good thing but the fact that the, i just thought it was weird that his one flaw was completely um basically not validated but but um um rebuked with the, the shot of the, you know, with the doctor being shot and them going back and saying, saying on the Galapagos and saying, yes, maybe I should be less prideful. And he is rewarded for that. He is rewarded I agree. for that. There's a degree to which it's just an adventure story. And I think that actually lets it down a little. But who's going to read it if it's just really like no victory? Oh, no, yeah. no, no. I don't mind there not being a victory, but it's like the character is re- – his- for overcoming that flaw, the character is rewarded. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a, an mm. adventure story trope is by overcoming his flaw of prideful pursuit of this impossible, what seemingly impossible goal, he is rewarded with not only his his the object of his chase, but a um, a plan to circumvent the the disadvantages he is at. Right. And that's good. Well, I think that's and I think that's a very good thing to do. But it's it's completely undercut by the whole yeah. Even the captain is superstitious, and the doctor admonishes him and rebukes him over it. And while he does try to make some kind of amends for it in his millet quick toast argument about fellowship, his superstition is completely validated in every possible way except one. And it's just incredible. Um, anyway, I, I I think I've kind of gone around on why yeah. I, I bounced off this film a bit. I. And I, I, I can definitely understand – and I understand, Bruce, why you like this film. And I think from if – maybe if I'd read the books, I would like it more because then I would have had more time with the characters. I just don't think the movie Yeah, no, and settles. that is the thing – well, now, to, to be fair, though, I watched the film before I sought out the books. Uh, and I, but I do say that the film is much more enjoyable to me having after having read the books. Okay. Well, I haven't read all I mean, of them yet, by the way. I honestly do think that – going to check out these books would be a good thing because I like naval adventure stories. One of the first things I ever yep. read on my own as a young lad was Treasure Island. <laughs> so this is sort of my time period. Uh, yeah. But uh, yep. yeah, I think we have been dancing around this, but I think we kind of need to hit to our final moments on this. So um, uh, guys, what's your final thoughts on this one? Um, yeah. Uh, so I think this was a very well done movie. I think it, captures pretty perfectly the essence of the era in which it's set and as a historical a historical fiction piece it is superb if not sublime um however much like bitters it is an acquired taste and <laughs> it may not it may not suit you as well as something more palatable to a general audience i still think you should try it yes it's All a right. good film what do you think it's well done so I would say it's nerdy. 
uh, I think this film is nerdier than good, even though everyone who like the, 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 I think the consensus on it is that it's a good film too, but this is a film that is about the littlest details to the point where, and once I saw this in the making of thing that I got with the uh, Apple extras, cause I bought this straight up from uh, the iTunes, uh, you know, enhanced uh, the, they deliberately took every one of those re relatively identical to my glance through on three viewings, call it. Uh, blue uniforms, but they knew what each person's job was and whether or not that involved climbing. And so they would weather the ones that were climbing jobs with, you know, with different sort of weathering and missing buttons and stuff because that happened. And son of a bitch, it's in there. Yeah. So there's a degree to which this film is the nerdiest film I think we've, or at least I have discussed with you, Tom. And I don't think that I am even naval enough to see all the things. The knots are all period accurate, which means that some of them are knots that would not be, have been used in successor periods. There are knots that eventually got replaced. That is how nerdy they went. Yeah. So this is a nerdy film above all. I also happen to think it's good, but it's, well, for all that, I'm disappointed because I would have hoped you'd have liked it more personally because I like you. Uh, but I totally feel <laughs> I, I totally feel the nature of why you might not enjoy this film. Uh, but I think it is indisputably good. I think it's it would be well better on a big screen. Shot. Yeah, it's well shot. And it's super nerdy. Is, you're right. It's fantastic. Yeah. I, I've been inclined to declare. You know, I thought about good as well, but I think I'm just going to declare this a nerdy film too. Because Bruce, you're absolutely right. It is so period specific about very in fine details, right down to the lingos, right down to the rank. The grog the is cloudy. They yep. deliberately made the grog dirty. <laughs> yep. You can, the scurvy is in some of their. I mean, they didn't go flat out pure scurvy mouse, but you some of them have got the scurvy bad, and they carefully dance around it. It's this film, you know that this film covers a lot of details. Now, yeah, and more importantly. They don't overdo it either. So many, so many of these details are so hard to spot because it's just you wouldn't know. Most people wouldn't know that knot is only really useful in this particular ship. Yeah. Well, if you go in ever and maybe one day when we're all together, I'll bring out the Apple extras. Like, Will, there's a scene that they cut. Like, you don't even know what they cut. There's an entire anchor weighing scene where they show how the anchors are pulled because if you just think of the physics of it. How are dudes going to haul that thing up? So there's this whole capstan and everybody pushes and the captain pushes and everybody. And there's a guy on top of it beating time. And that's how they weigh anchor. And it takes like 10 minutes because it does. Um, and they cut that scene. Because well, it does. Well, I like the knot scene, like when they're measuring yeah. how fast they're going with yep. with a knotted rope. That was so good. I, I, how many knots of speed yeah. do you have? Exactly. exactly. Yeah, they, they just did everything nautical they could. Yeah. So yeah, this is like the ultimate. Like, if you are a sailor, if and it should be pointed out, when this film debuted, they did special pre-screenings to uh, Navy, both British and American. Like, if you uh, if they came in their dress, they got them for free. So they did special screenings for the Navy out of just pure respect. So I, I'm I think that we should just declare this a nerdy film because look, so we're talking about a book series that has devoted fans. That you know. And I, that's the other thing. Like, when you have that kind of fan base, you want to make sure they're happy, too. And I think that is, like, the one reason this wasn't as mainstream as possible. They, it was about as, you know, they tried to be loyal to the fan base as, you know, as, as it could be. 
Which is why I worry when the Dune movie comes out in a few weeks. Yeah. You you know, you know how close can you handle it if you get you know that precise about per the fan base? But I think uh, we kind of agreed this is a nerdy film, and you know, folks, if you've enjoyed this podcast, make sure to hit us up on our Facebook group, fans of Good Bad Nerdy Movie Podcast. We got a lot of responses to our last episode about Con Air. I'm dying to hear everyone's take on on this one because I, when I mentioned we're doing this one, I had a lot of people perk up excited. So, and, and Bruce, I think you you know as well. Some of these people, some of our friends are obsessive about this movie just as much. Yeah, as Will, you you're going to get the death threats this time. I I have prepared for that. Uh, My only regret is that Tom Hanks wasn't the Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Tom Hanks could have put in a performance because that man had personality and emotions. Oh, <laughs> ouch! All right, folks. I hope you enjoyed this, guys. Any final thoughts? And what he didn't know is when he said. I sir, so so west. What he really meant was, I love you. <laughs> uh, my all final right. thought is uh, double rash, extra ration of grog all around. All right. Oh, I was saving that for saluting day. <laughs> Sorry, we had a slight. Oh, I forgot to say one thing. Damn it! You know, another thing they point out in this film subtly, Will, is that the British naval tradition of getting drunk and singing all the time probably not the most militarily useful. Literally, it's how they found them. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, uh, see, you caught me. I was gonna say uh, I had that for my tag, but all right, I have a better good tag. All right, folks, thanks again for listening, and please, please, please. If you have to chase after shit, make sure that you're you are studying flightless birds because they'll be waiting for you when you get back. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for listening. All right, that was a great one. I mean, that was yeah. a really good discussion. I, <laughs> I feel. I feel-